This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. Coming up, it's all about where we get our eggs and why smaller is sometimes better. We'll talk to the folks from BC Egg. That's coming up. But first, some of the consumer news headlines from the past week. Vancouver is going ahead with a plan to set up 10 tiny shelters for homeless people. They'll be built in a parking lot adjacent to an existing shelter located in a former storage building on Terminal Avenue. City Council voted 9-2 to two this past Wednesday to approve these tiny shelters. They're 100-square-foot structures, and they should be up by the fall. Each unit will be equipped with heating and air conditioning and be big enough to accommodate two people. It's a two-year experiment uh, or pilot project, and it's the first of its kind in Vancouver. The tiny shelters, 10 of them, are budgeted to cost up to $460,000 or forty-six grand per unit, but the final cost will depend on which builder is chosen. Councillor Pete Fry, who has pushed for tiny shelters in Vancouver for several years, said his inspiration came from visiting the Dignity Village in Portland, Oregon, in 2014. Fry says tenants there recited, resided, rather, they lived there for an average of six months before they moved into permanent housing. And he calls these shelters a chance for folks to get their feet on the ground and have a roof over their head, get some mail and get their ID and get all kinds of things that many of us just take for granted, especially when we're in the process of looking for a job. Interim conservative leader Candace Bergen is siding with the truckers. Bergen this week called for the Liberal government to end all COVID-19 related restrictions and vaccine mandates. The same demand made by protesting truckers still occupying Ottawa. And during question period last week in the House of Commons, Bergen said the measures have caused division among Canadians. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau responded by saying that all Canadians are frustrated by the pandemic, but the government will continue to protect public health. And in Vancouver, a semi-truck driver has been fired after an incident involving a cyclist during Saturday's protests in Vancouver against COVID-19 restrictions last weekend. Video posted online shows the truck continuing to advance towards a group of cyclists who were doing some protesting on their own, blocking the road for the truckers. And one of them, the cyclists, appears to get out of the way just in time because the truck didn't stop. The owner of Van Dock Transport of Chilliwack says that the company does not stand behind the actions of the driver, and that driver has lost his job. That company faced a backlash after the video was posted, And they've since taken down their website and social media sites. Starbucks is playing hardball with uh, workers attempting to unionize in their coffee shops. The Seattle coffee giant has fired seven employees who were leading an effort to unionize a store in Memphis, Tennessee. Starbucks says the employees violated company policy by reopening a store after it closed and inviting non-employees to come inside. The employees used the store to do an interview with a local television station about their unionizing effort, but the employees say Starbucks was retaliating against them for trying to unionize. 
This is Vancouver Consumer. And we come back, when we come back, do you know where your eggs come from? Probably a lot of us don't, even though we like to eat them. We'll talk to the folks from BC Egg about where we get our eggs and where the best place to get our eggs is. That's coming up next as Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. I'm Martin Strong. Welcome back. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and here in BC, we eat a lot of eggs. But I bet a lot of us don't think too much about where those eggs come from once they're in the carton. BC Egg is a nonprofit organization that oversees and manages the province's egg farming industry, working with nearly 150 family owned and operated egg farms who help bring those fresh eggs to our tables. And that includes overseeing the production, grading, packing, marketing, and transportation of all regulated eggs in BC. And with me now is someone who knows all about BC Egg. Uh, He's kind of an ambassador. He's the president of the BC Egg Producers Association, and he's an egg farmer himself. Mark Siemens is here. Hi, Mark. Hi, how are you? I'm very, very well. And you're, you're an actual farmer, so uh, I'm guessing you've been up for uh, hours and hours. You, do you get up earlier than everybody else, or is that a myth? <laughs> I get up relatively early, between 5 and 6, but I wouldn't say that's a lot earlier than a lot of the people commuting out of my town here in Abbotsford. Yeah, it, it nowadays, especially with people who live in Abbotsford or live outside of the city and they commute, uh, 5 o'clock is not that early anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So let's let's talk about the life of an egg farmer. I mean, it, it, it sounds kind of Id- idyllic to me. It must be kind of uh, kind of nice being out there in Abbotsford on an egg farm. Yeah, I mean, I uh, originally had planned to become an, an actuary and uh, grew up on a family farm. Was studying in university and at some point uh, got married and started having kids and. And, and started looking at the lifestyle of kind of working from home instead of commuting and, and being in the big city. And uh, I saw a big upside to that. So that's what kind of drew me to it. Um, you know, I uh, was quite surprised at some of the obstacles that came once I had jumped in with both feet. But uh, it certainly <laughs> is quite the life. Well, what is the toughest thing for, for farmers these days? I, I mean, I hear a lot about uh, how... Uh, family farms have it a little bit tougher than because of the sort of the industrialization of farming. But what what are some of the challenges for a, a family farm like yourself? Well, one of the one of the challenges, especially when it comes to taking care of animals, is you're never really off. So the animals need to be cared for on a twenty four seven basis. So Christmas Eve, Christmas morning, Boxing Day. Like those are days where as a farmer, like you're in the barn, you're not going to find hired help on those days. You're, you're committed and you're looking after those animals. And it seems like with modern equipment and all of those, while it makes our lives a lot more convenient than when everything was done manually, it always seems to break down at the least convenient times. And so you're, you're having to be on the phone calls notice uh, at all times. And, and that's a, that's a challenging thing for a family when you're trying to, you know, navigate all the activities of children and, and you've got to be ready to run back to the farm uh, at any given moment. Yeah, I guess chickens don't uh, stop laying eggs on stat holidays. Yeah, that's right. My mom 
keeps trying to bug me to get us to do Christmas morning together. And I said, well, I, you know, I talked to the hens and uh, said, you know, you guys want to take Christmas Day off? I, I think I'd like to take it off. And the votes are in. We're, we're going to keep going. So, <laughs> Yeah. And, and you, you talk about how it's a 24-7 kind of job. Uh, how was your, your winter like, your fall and winter? Because uh, uh, not only was the, the, fl- the flooding, I guess, was the worst thing, but, but also the heat. But let's talk about the flood. How did the flood affect you and your fellow uh, egg farmers? So fortunately, my own farm was not in the flood zone, so I wasn't impacted directly. We had the challenges of logistics with the highways being down and, and trying to get feed on site, but we navigated through that without any problem. I was involved in the flood response, and so I was working with the farmers down in that area, trying to find ways to get them feed and water and fuel for generators and and also to try to rehouse some of the, the farms that were in vulnerable positions, get those birds out to a safer location. So it was a, a very hectic couple of weeks there, but, you know, farmers are an incredibly resourceful group of people in the community down there was phenomenal at, at helping each other out and making sure everyone had what they needed. So describe the impact that the flooding had on on egg farmers and also the the production of eggs and getting them to the store. I mean it must have been it must have been a, a big challenge. It was a, a huge challenge for all parties just you know, trying to get the eggs out of there even like once we got feed and water in, you know, how do we get a truck in there? to take these eggs out uh, was one of the challenges as well. And uh, it was extremely busy. What was incredible was through all the hard work, we managed to save every egg farm except for one um, and, and make sure they all had feed and water. And that's, you know, with the municipal water system being down, the power grid being shut off in certain sites, uh, you know, helicoptering feed in to some of these facilities to make sure the birds have the nutrition they need. And then, you know, working with the farmers there with their heavy equipment to truck in all the supplies needed to, to make sure they had all of their nutrition and needs met. It was quite the undertaking, but really happy with the outcome on, on how we were able to prevent uh, a lot of losses that could have taken place. Is there still a lot of uh, lasting impact? Uh, Have the farmers recovered? So at this point, there is one farm that is still being uh, sort of rebuilt, to say the least. And the rest of them are are fully operational. They've, They've cleaned out where the flood damage was. They're still working on their personal homes, right? The, the farm buildings came first, but, uh, at this point, one, one farm down there where we're still working with them to get them back up for a mid spring, uh, they should be up and running again. All right. We're talking to Mark Siemens, an egg farmer and president of the BC Egg Producers Association and, uh, kind of a, an ambassador for BC Egg, uh, bcegg.com is the website to go because we're talking about uh, eggs and and about what happened with the flooding uh, this past year. And uh, I'm wondering, is there anything that consumers can do to help farmers? 
the big farms. thing that that helps farmers right now is you know buying local bc eggs at your grocery store so you can look on the carton there's labeling on all of there you look for the bc egg or the eqa logo that means it's canadian product not imported from another country and and when you buy those eggs you that that is going directly back to the families here in bc that are, are working to produce those eggs Right. Because I think a lot of us, when we're in the store, we look at the eggs and I, I just kind of assume they're from down the road. Are there a lot of eggs that come in from outside the country or situations? The vast like majority that? of, yeah, the vast majority of eggs on those shelves are produced here in BC. Occasionally you'll have some that will ship in from the States, but uh, if you, if you check out the cartons, you'll see that most of the time you're going to find a BC egg there and we just encourage uh, consumers, you know, to be paying attention to that and to, to notice when that switches and and uh, to, to stay loyal to their, their BC family farms here. Right. So BC Egg is the organization. It's a non-profit organization and it's uh, all about uh, about 150 family owned and operated egg farms. Uh, in the province. So uh, people can go to bcegg.com. It's an easy website to remember, bcegg.com. So what's the philosophy of BC Egg and why is BC Egg here? So why BC Egg is here is to work together and, and kind of be a collective of all these family farms to make sure that we can continue to provide, you know, safe, really fresh, locally produced food for the families here in BC. And as farmers, we all really believe in those values and, and work hard to do that every day. So why is it important to have local family-owned farms? The benefit of it is, I mean, you get fresher food that's of better quality. We hear it all the time from people uh, who come up from the States and go, why are the eggs here different? Uh, the eggs here are different because you've got smaller family-run farms that it's not always just about the bottom dollar. It's about taking care of these animals and, and, and doing your best to produce something that you're proud of. And that's one of those benefits of family farms is it's not just about, you know, producing as much as you can or getting as big as you can. You want to be proud of it. These are things that you're, you're going to tell your friends and family about. And there's this uh, also often a heritage component. We've, growing up in it and, and there's a pride in, in producing really good quality food uh, to the best of our ability. Right. And how many family owned egg farms are there in BC? I, I don't know if you know that answer. I believe I have the number here. I'm going to double check okay. because it, oh, uh, it's been a growing number in the last few years. We've had more and more new entrants join in, but currently today we're at 149. So just a few years ago when I started, we were at, uh, I think, under 130. So it's amazing to see more families getting involved and starting up their own egg farms. Yeah, I know a few people in my neighborhood who, uh, th this kind of died down, but a few years ago when the city allowed people to have a, a chicken on their property to raise eggs, they had their own chicken in their backyard. And it became kind yeah. of a, a trendy thing. But the, the eggs yeah, were good. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And the eggs are, the eggs are better, aren't they? They are, it's a, it's a better quality egg. This is what I hear consistently from, from people who have lived in other countries and then come and experience our eggs here. There's a, there's something about 
our system here that really encourages people to produce good quality food. Mm-hmm. And and are are they in the same? Do they tend to be in the same place, or where are these farms spread out around BC? So we kind of have the the biggest pocket that people know about is here in the Fraser Valley. We have the vast majority of eggs here, and then there's another. Uh, there's a, a good community of egg farmers on Vancouver Island, and another one up in the Salmon Arm area. There are a few in outside areas, but that's kind of where you have the pockets of egg farmers kind of getting together. And one of the reasons that the farms tend to do that is you can work together as a community to support one another. And you also start to get services built up around them of of tradespeople who are experts in this area and can bring in that farm support. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. We're talking to Mark Siemens, an egg farmer and president of the BC Egg Producers Association, and it's all about BC Egg. You can go to bcegg.com and uh, read about what they do. It's a a nonprofit organization that manages the egg farming industry in BC, BC Egg, and the reasons why uh, we should all look for that name on the eggs we buy, BC Egg. And when we come back, I want to ask Mark about a question that comes up a lot. What defines a free-range egg or a free-run egg? Is there a difference? And uh, we'll get we'll get more information straight from the egg farmer when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. Welcome back. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW, and we're talking about eggs, not just any eggs, BC eggs, with uh, the ambassador for bcegg.com, BC Egg, a nonprofit organization that oversees and manages uh, BC's egg farming industry. Mark Siemens, an, an egg farmer himself, He's also the president of the BC Egg Producers Association and uh, kind of an ambassador for BC Egg. And uh, I was talking before the break. Actually, I want to ask you about free-range eggs and what constitutes a free-range eggs egg. But I was in Spain a few years back, and I noticed that when you bought eggs, they weren't in the fridge. They kept the eggs outside of the fridge which I thought was very strange, but we we ate some of them and they were fine. Um, Do you recommend people store their eggs in the fridge? Yeah, so here in Canada, with the Canada Food Safe regulations, all eggs that are in your grocery store have gone through a washing process. And once those eggs are washed, uh, refrigeration is absolutely necessary. So that's the difference. A lot of parts in the world, they don't wash their eggs. They come fresh from the farm. And, and go onto those shelves, and then they have a natural coating that uh, protects the egg, and they don't require refrigeration to remain fresh in that uh, condition. Interesting, interesting. And the whole idea of free-range eggs, uh, I see sometimes it says free-run eggs or free-range eggs. Uh, how do you define what a free-range egg is? Yeah, I'm actually a free-range egg farmer myself, so I'm pretty knowledgeable on the topic. Uh, A free-run egg is an egg produced in a barn where the birds are free-roaming inside of the building. They have access to food and water and and a nesting area. And the difference between a free-run egg, which would be in that criteria, and a free-range egg is in a free-range facility, you would then have outdoor access. 
into an open range is what I often will tell people. If you think of it as an open range, then uh, they're out on a pasture. And uh, here in BC, we actually have, we're, we're the only place that has specific standards that uh, free range has to meet in terms of how much outdoor access space they need, how many days they need to be able to get that access and, and ensuring that uh, we have consistent uh, regulations across the board on that. So when you're in the store and you see free range, the words free range, you can trust that in BC. That's right. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's something that we want to make sure is consistent and uh, has integrity behind it, that it's not just something that it's a different label with a higher price. Right. And and that brings us to the, to the term factory farms. Are, are farms in BC factory farms or, or, or is it something else? Yeah, that's a, a term that's that's come up in the recent years, you know, through through documentaries and and social media posts and often is tied to these these gigantic facilities that take up numerous acres and have millions of birds on them. The average farm size here in BC is is 22,000 birds. It's still a lot of birds. It's a, it's a large farm, but uh, that is about the farm size you need to be able to uh, work completely full-time as a farmer. Be, below that, you really don't have enough income to support a family and you'd need to work outside of the farm. And we have a lot of farms in that category as well, from the three to 10,000 birds, but the average farm size is is 22,000 and, and that's something that would fit on say a five to 10 acre piece and would support a, uh, a small family in, in their pursuit of, of being full-time farmers. Right. And, uh, you know, the difference between a, a huge, you know, factory style farm and, uh, a family farm, uh, why, why are family owned farms better? So, when it's a family farm, you're emotionally invested in the well-being of these animals. On a family farm myself, I, I raise these birds from when they're one day old. I spend the early mornings and the late nights with them for that first 10 days, making sure they have everything they need because they're really vulnerable at that young age. And, and you're emotionally attached. These things aren't just, you know, a number on a spreadsheet of some major corporation that is, uh, either making profit or loss. I, I know these animals. I know how one flock compares to another, and I care about their well-being. I, I, I'm paying attention to them. I see how they're doing, and I'm intimately involved in their daily lives. And I, I think that comes through in the quality of the product. It comes through in the safety record of food here in in Canada. And uh, that's one of those benefits of having a family where you're in there with your wife and your kids. And, and you're ensuring that this is the best environment it could possibly be. I feed my family my eggs. I, I want to make sure that they're of the highest quality. And how does the environment affect the, the laying of the eggs? Because if, if, if a, a chicken is under stress or, or th you know, things are, are, are strange, does it change the amount of eggs they produce? Yeah, so when the animals are, are stressed out, they can become vulnerable to disease or, or uh, frailty, like they'll run out of calcium and the shells can become weaker or the egg white can become a lot more watery. These are all kinds of conditions of, of a bird that's undergone stress. 
Now, I can't eliminate all sources of stress as a farmer, but because as as an owner-operator, I'm in there on a daily basis, I'm paying great attention compared to, say, if we just had contracted employees who were there punching in a clock. There's, there's, while they are very valuable, there's a different investment when it comes to it being a family and their pride and joy goes into this. Right. We're talking to Mark Siemens, uh, an egg farmer himself and a spokesperson for BC Egg. You can go to bcegg.com. And we're just talking about eggs. And I, I eat a lot of eggs myself, but I, I, I don't really know a lot about them. And one thing I notice, sometimes there's large eggs and sometimes there's small eggs. Is that just the, what, what, what causes a larger egg to a small egg? Uh, can one chicken sometimes lay a small egg and sometimes lay a large egg, or is it the chicken that decides? What? That's the dumbest, <laughs> yeah, dumbest question ever, but go ahead. <laughs> no, it's a great question. So sizing is something that uh, is, yeah, it is on an individual basis by the bird. And we work through uh, working with an animal nutritionist, kind of monitoring the size of the eggs, and, and we alter the diet to try to ensure that we keep the eggs in that large and extra large size that most people want to see in the grocery store. If we get too much into the bigger egg size, that's also stressful for the birds. We don't want to have gigantic eggs uh, coming out of there and smaller eggs. Really, there's not a big demand at the market for there. So we work hard with a, with a professional dietitian to adjust their diet throughout their life and make sure that there's a consistent egg size there. Right. And, and get them uh, on a little treadmill, get them some exercise, all that stuff. And so what about... That, the- that is something we do on the, uh, on the free range side. We will, if we see egg size going, we'll, we'll get the birds outside a little earlier in the morning, try to get them <laughs> running out on the range and uh, work off some of those extra calories. Oh, well, that's good. That's good that they're getting exercise. I like that. And what about the difference between a brown egg and a white egg? What causes that? Yeah, that again is the the breed of the bird. So right. we'll have a white bird laying a white egg or a brown bird laying a brown egg. And, and that's what uh, determines that shell color. So there's not really that much difference between a brown egg and a white egg in terms of, you know, the nutritional value. No, nutritionally, they're identical. It's just the preference of that color. Right. So you're a farmer. Uh, what's the biggest misconception that uh, that the the city slicker has about the farmer? I mean, do you feel like people uh, think you're going to be a certain type of person when you're actually just a normal person? <laughs> yeah, I think one of the the challenges that that we constantly come up against is the the myth from the documentary compared to meeting an actual farmer and. Here in BC, like we've come against that again and again. I'll run into people, I'll give them a tour of my farm, and they say, "Well, I want to buy your eggs because I can trust your eggs." I'm like, "Well, I'm just I'm just one of the many family farms in BC. We're all like this, and you know, we we get painted with this broad brush of not being individuals who actually care. And so, one of the things you can look up on on bcegg.com." we've started a collection of uh, videos just kind of introducing all of the different family farms in BC. Our goal is to have one for each farm uh, so that you could really, if you spent the time, have a five to 10 minute video showing every farm in the province. And 
we're slowly working towards that and every year adding more families onto that list and it's a great opportunity to get to know from a distance you know who's who's producing this food here in your province Right. And that's all you can see that at bcegg.com. And I, I guess that's a, an important thing, I think, in the modern world is that distance between the food we consume and where it's produced. And I think it's, it's, it's not necessarily a good thing that we are so distant from the farm that we have no idea where these, this, this food that we eat comes from. And, and how are some other ways that people can, can get to know where their food comes from? How do they get to know a farm? Yeah, so that online is probably the easiest way through that that Meet the Farmer video series. If you want more, uh, there's opportunities to meet us at, say, like the Abbotsford uh, Agri-Fair or the P&E. We typically have farmers on site there. Or look around in your community. Uh, reach out to a farmer, ask for a tour, they are sensitive and, and you may have to be patient because there's certain times where due to biosecurity concerns, we really can't do tours, but most farmers I know will be happy to let you know a time typically during the summer where it's ideal to get in there and to take a small group of people through and, and show them what egg farming is really all about. Right. So I'm guessing uh, you're a good cook with the eggs. What's your favorite thing to, to use an egg to cook? I'm a simple man. I'm a fried egg guy. I, it's quick, it's easy, and uh, it gets the job done in the morning. So I, uh, I'm not a big cook. I just, I'll, I'll do a quick over easy, and uh, off I go for the day. Yeah, I guess that's the thing with eggs. Eggs, uh, um, they're, they're part of other uh, recipes, but for the most part, when you make an egg, it is a relatively simple thing. And I was at a friend's place, and uh, she made me an omelet. This was just a week ago and it was the best omelet I ever had, but it was so simple. And I said, how'd you do that? And she said, I just got it out of the Julia Child cookbook. It's the basic egg recipe and it was just the best. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a simple thing, but it, uh, done right can be a phenomenal, uh, phenomenal dish. <laughs> Right on. Well, Mark Siemens, uh, he's an egg farmer and he's a spokesperson for BC Egg. You can go to bcegg.com to find out uh, everything you need to know about BC Eggs and how to make sure you're getting BC Eggs when you're in the store. And uh, well, I, I thank you for taking the time to talk to us and uh, I wish you all the luck on the farm. Thanks, Mark. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Right on. Uh, when we come back, it's Vancouver Consumer and the Vancouver Barge at English Bay is finally going to be removed, but it's going to take some time. Also, uh, I'll tell you why the nine o'clock gun at Stanley Park has been silenced. That's when we come back right after this. Welcome back. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. And to some people, it was an eyesore, but to a lot of people, it had become kind of a Vancouver landmark. The English Bay Barge, unfortunately, will soon be no more, or fortunately, uh, in a press release titled Floating Days Are Over for the Barge at English Bay, the city of Vancouver has detailed how the barge will be deconstructed. The barge has been stranded on the beach since a big windstorm late last year. The city says a local firm called Vancouver Pile Driving 
or Van Pyle, has been contracted to carry out the barge's deconstruction. They took a good look at it and decided that it was not possible to refloat the barge. So that means they're going to have to take it apart piece by piece over a period estimated to be 12 to 15 weeks. Their main concern was both public safety and the protection of the marine environment that surrounds the barge. According to the city, Van Pyle has been advised by Fisheries and Oceans Canada on how to avoid negatively impacting fish and fish habitats in the area. Very soon, the barge that we all flock to to take pictures of, to take selfies with, and even for some of us to propose next to the barge, uh, the barge will be fenced off and rendered completely inaccessible to the public. No start date has officially been announced yet, so there's still some time to get those last few selfies in. Other agencies involved in the deconstruction include the Vancouver Fraser Port Authority, the Canadian Coast Guard, and the Vancouver Park Board. Meantime, we won't be hearing the Vancouver uh, 9 o'clock gun at Stanley Park, at least for a while. As of this past Friday, yesterday, the cannon stopped going off at 9 p.m. That's because there's a global shortage of black gunpowder. That's the stuff that they used in the cannon. As a result, the Vancouver Parks Board has announced the cannon won't be fired until further notice. There's apparently a shortage around the world of this black gunpowder, thanks to the dreaded supply chain issues and the fact that they're simply not manufacturing as much of the stuff as they used to. The supplier for the nine o'clock gun powder closed last fall, so the city was able to stockpile enough of the stuff to last up until now. But staff are exploring other options to give the cannon its boom back, but so far they haven't been able to acquire any. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.